Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Around New Year's Eve time, uh, sometimes we see depicted in cartoon formats uh, the old year that's drawing to a close, uh, represented as a, a very old man who's uh, reaching the end of a, of a long course or path. And we see the, the new year portrayed as a little baby, and the two are about to meet as, as the, the old year, the old man, uh, finishes his, his long journey, and the new year is about to begin. It's a scene that represents uh, endings and, and beginnings, something both, perhaps both sad, uh, saying farewell to, to things that are now finished and past, the end of an era, but also hopeful, uh, the, the hope of, of a new year, a new beginning, and new things lying ahead. That kind of image may come to mind not only because today is New Year's Eve, but also as we read about the presentation of Jesus in the temple and we see uh, those elderly, faithful believers, Simeon and Anna, uh, being able to meet the newborn baby Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. We see them uh, finally being able to to receive and, and realize the fulfillment of those wonderful promises that God had made that they had been long waiting for, as we read in our text. However, in in our Gospel reading, we see more than just that, a a transition from from old to new and and hope about the future. The way that we view that little baby held in his mother Mary's arms is really a matter of life and death for us. And certainly that was the way that Simeon and Anna looked upon the Christ child. Let's think back about that scene playing out in the temple courtyard that we just read about in Luke chapter 2. When Jesus was only 40 days old, Joseph and Mary had come to perform in in the temple uh, two rites that were uh, prescribed by God in the Old Testament. The first was the rite of purification, a, a ceremonial purification for women after giving birth. And also, they were there to make the sacrifice that was required to dedicate the firstborn son of the family to the Lord. And no doubt, uh, as we can imagine, the the number of of believers in God uh, being as as many as they were at that time, in the millions most likely, uh, that there were other young families with their infant children in the temple courtyard that day doing the same things, uh, bringing sacrifices for the purification of the, the mother who had recently given birth and also dedicating the firstborn male child uh, to the Lord. Yet it was to this particular family, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, that the old man named Simeon approached, asking to hold on to that infant baby. Now, those of you who are parents, uh, you can imagine probably what your reaction would have been like if some total stranger walked up to you and asked to, to hold your newborn baby child. Uh, maybe you're, you're happy to oblige, uh, but in general, perhaps, uh, we'd probably be a little bit reticent and a little bit cautious and wondering, well, who is this and, and will my child be okay with this person? Yet we see that what a, an emotionally moving scene followed, this faithful elderly believer cradling in his arms the newborn Savior, Jesus. There's more than just that emotionally moving 
scene that plays out. To the parents' amazement, Simeon breaks forth into song and was a, a heartfelt hymn of thanks to God for bringing the fulfillment of his promise to send a Savior. Simeon was overcome with joy and with, with tearful jubilation. Why? Because his own eyes had beheld God's salvation. With his own arms, he had been able to hold God's salvation. And then there was another old figure, a, a widow named Anna, who was 84 years old. Like many widows of that time, Anna was quite poor. She depended on the generosity of people who were coming to worship in the temple for her own livelihood. She had been standing nearby at this time and had heard Simeon's song. And then she herself gave thanks to God and then hurried to tell the other people who were also there in the temple courtyard about who this average-looking little infant baby boy was. That he, in fact, is the Savior that God had promised to send. Why all the fuss? What excited those two senior citizens so much? It was really quite simple and yet very profound. Their whole lives had been focused on the hope of meeting this baby, the promised Savior. We read about Simeon being described as simply a, a pious, God-fearing man. But for the Jewish people of his day, he was seemingly a, a bit out of step with the common thought about God's promises. Simeon was one of seemingly the very few left who had read or heard and, and rightly understood and believed the promises about the Savior that God had made in the Old Testament through his prophets. Uh, from, from everything else that we read in the gospel books in the Bible, it seems that the majority of the people had a, a twisted or, or misunderstanding of the prophecies and promises about the Savior that God had made in the Old Testament, that they were looking for and, and hoping for a political and, and revolutionary military hero who would lead them in battle against the, the occupying Roman Empire and, and its armies. But Simeon knew better. He trusted the promises that God had made through his prophets about the Messiah as a spiritual hero who would come to conquer sin and death and the devil's power. And so for Simeon, this day in the temple courtyard, being able to hold that infant baby Jesus marked the high point of his long life as a believer. Because we read that uh, before that day, uh, in some way the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would live at least until he himself was able to see with his own eyes the fulfillment of God's promise of the Messiah, of the Savior. And on that particular day in the temple courtyard, the Holy Spirit had tugged at him and, and led him to go and to identify that one young couple with their infant baby as being the one, the Savior, finally, finally arrived who would redeem God's people. There, Simeon saw the glorious fulfillment of all of his hopes of the, the many long years of his life. And likewise, the aged prophetess Anna 
was numbered with those whom she then went on to tell, those who were looking for, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, for God's salvation to come to his people. And now, finally, it had all come true. Simeon and Anna were old, yes, but their futures beamed brightly indeed. God had kept his precious word. And so this ancient pair stood on death's threshold, fearless and confident. Simeon's song, the Nunc Dimittis, that's very familiar to all of us from our Lord's Supper liturgy, is a song of, of triumph, of faith, and hope. Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In effect, Simeon was praying, Lord, now I am ready to die. Now I am ready to leave this life. You have shown me how much my life really is in your hands. So what can disturb me now? Yes, this life is good. You have been good to me, God. But you have promised me that something far better is coming. Simeon and Anna had as much happiness and joy as anyone could hope for and more. And I wonder how many today at the end of this year and the week after Christmas can also say that. The mood of these post-Christmas days is uh, often a bit depressing for many people. Many people are a bit depressed be- simply because Christmas is over, the celebrations are over, at, at least uh, as far as most of society is concerned, Christmas is done, even though we Christians continue to celebrate. And by now, uh, some people's vacations are over or, or coming to a close. Some of the Christmas toys that children received are perhaps already beginning to break after having been used uh, quite heavily for the past week. Perhaps for some people, the Christmas decorations are already beginning to come down. Another Christmas has come and gone. And for many people, that means saying farewell to the joy of this season. The reason for this is simply that most people celebrate Christmas only like a birthday party. Birthdays come only once a year, and they're a time for a brief celebration and happiness, but That celebration is also tempered by the fact of realizing that we are another year older and perhaps another year closer to the time of our death. There is no real lasting significance to the average birthday celebration. But in contrast to that, God places extreme importance on Christmas, which to God is like not a birthday celebration, but a day of birth. A couple, a married couple expecting a child, looks forward with with great anticipation to the birth of their child. Much like Simeon and Anna were looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise to send a Savior. Parents who who feel depressed after the big day has come and gone, simply because it has gone, are in trouble. They're in for a rude awakening. Because the day of the birth of a child is not the end, it's it's not just one day of celebration, but it's the beginning of a whole lifetime in which love and joy will grow. 
And that's true despite the fact that no child's life is ever all sugar-coated sweetness where Junior never does anything wrong, where he never gets sick, where he grows up to be a, a, a billionaire or the president of the United States. Now, a sign of maturity in young married couples who are, or young couples who are preparing for marriage is the realization that when they are married and, and if they do become parents, that both of those things take a lot of hard work. The parents need a firm commitment to love each other and to love their children and to work hard for their marriage and their family despite the difficult times and despite the times that they might hurt each other. Mature parents realize that. But that doesn't diminish the joy that the birth of their child brings. And yet, year after year, people treat Christmas like a, a once-a-year festival where for a little while the, the troubles of the past are forgotten and the, the potential troubles of the future are ignored. The big attractions are, are the presents that we wait to open and the, the feast and, and food and fellowship and parties that we wait to enjoy. And few, perhaps, are touched by the by the quaint old legend of a little baby who was born and wrapped and placed in a manger. But one week later, the thrill is gone. The little baby in the manger is forgotten about. And the only interest and prospect now is the bottle of champagne that is waiting to be opened at the New Year's Eve party. So many people treat God and his son with little more than harmless, sweet affection and, and passing interest at Christmas time. And then afterwards, they pack him away, just like all the decorations and the, the little figurines of the nativity scene. But Christmas is not the story of innocuous sweetness that has no bearing on real life. Actually, when you get right down to it, Christmas is a matter of life and death. Even in the midst of all his joy, Simeon realized this truth all too keenly. He prophesied in, in the words that he spoke to Mary and to Joseph that this baby would split the world, separating the people of God from all other people. And that would include phony pretenders, surely King Herod who, who sent his troops to slaughter the baby boys in Bethlehem would, was included in those words that Simeon spoke. And Simeon also said that Mary's own heart would be pierced with sorrow over her son and his mission that he came to accomplish. Surely we can think about as Jesus was nailed to the cross and finally died there in, humanly speaking, the, the most shameful and, and, and accursed way possible. Those words that Simeon had spoken 30-some years before that event came back into Mary's heart mind. So it's nice and, and joyful to sing songs at Christmas time, to hold a candle in church together on New Year's Eve as we sing Silent Night, to, to exchange gifts and, and to enjoy food and, and fellowship together. But if that's all the place that Christmas has in your year, then ultimately you've missed the point. But by virtue of the fact that you are here today, it's apparent that you already know that this is true. 
And so what remains for us is to learn anew the lesson of Simeon and Anna. What we do with Jesus, the entire Jesus, is truly a matter of life and death. Simeon teaches us how vital it is to build our whole lives on the solid rock of Jesus, our Savior. When our life's foundation is built on him, then no storm of of trouble or difficulty in life, no sorrow can rob us of our true joy that we have through him. Both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible speak of Jesus as a rock. He is a rock that will either save us or destroy us. His death on Calvary and his resurrection on Easter will either cause life for all who trust in him and his promises, or they will cause death for those who reject him and his word of life. To keep him as a tiny baby in a manger with no real claim on your life is a sure way to get crushed by the rock that he is. And how tragic that is when it happens. Because Jesus died to save us from our sins, paying the enormous debt of sin that we all owe to God. Jesus came not to condemn us, not to crush and destroy us, but he came so that we would have life in all its abundance, life of of peace and joy, knowing God's love and forgiveness for us. And so together with Simeon today, we are to learn that having Christ in our heart brings lasting freedom. What a fitting motto it is for us also. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Now that doesn't mean that we are planning on dying soon, although whenever God has prepared that for us, we go in peace, knowing what lies beyond that perfect life in heaven. No, rather we are saying, here God is my whole life, You gave it to me. You redeemed it. You saved it. Now use it. Use me. Free me from sin and temptation. Free me to be your servant. Free me from spiritual shallowness and guilt. Free me from from past and future fears. And from Anna. We learn the lasting joy of rendering service to God, of of living in God's temple and worshiping regularly. Here in this house of worship, we feast on the bread of life in life with God. God's word, God's sacrament, and the remembrance of our baptism. From them, we receive our motivation to join Anna in spreading the good news of Christmas, of this newborn Savior who would grow up to die on the cross to take away our sins. We need to tell and to show others, and especially for parents, we need to tell and show our children that Jesus is not just for Christmas time, but he's for the entire year. He's for our entire lives. Simeon and Anna preached a a powerful sermon to us today. Knowing, believing, loving, and serving Jesus as our Savior really is a matter of life and death for us. Or maybe it would be better to say that Jesus is a matter for life. Every day of life, every day of the year, and for death. That he is the one who was born to die so that we can have confidence of eternal life 
even in the face of impending physical death. And soon we will again mark the the end of this current year in just a, a matter of several short hours, the passing away of the old and the beginning of the new. Perhaps for us a moment of sorrow and of joy, the consummation of, of all that has gone before in this past year and the hope of another tomorrow and, and we pray the blessings of God that awaits. And as we begin this new year, my prayer for all of us, for all of you, is that just like Simeon and Anna, we will greet the future with joy and with the hope of Christmas fixed firmly in our hearts for every day of this coming year. And so then, let us love and live with, with great freedom and joy to God our Savior, because we have confidence that this will be a happy new year by his grace to us through Jesus. Amen.